Welcome to the Soldiers of the Immaculate podcast. Father is currently traveling, giving Lenten missions, so now is a good time to review the sermons of the four last things. In this first installment is the sermon on death. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O virgins of virgins, our mother. To thee we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. Mother of the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer. Lady, seed of wisdom and spouse of the Holy Spirit, Saint Jacinta, Saint Pio, Saint Francis, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. My name is Father Isaac Mary Rallier. I am a Franciscan. I'm here to conduct a mission, a traditional Lenten mission. As we know, we're about to begin Lent, Ash Wednesday. And there's no better way to prepare and to prepare ourselves than a mission. So the first question is, what is a mission? And a mission is a special time of grace when God chooses to pour out many blessings upon his people. And for some reason, he's chosen this particular church now. And it's a time, once again, of many miracles, many graces God will pour out. It's a time that we check our spiritual life, that we see where we try to meditate on the topics that we're going to meditate and see where we stand with God. And we should never be pleased with where we are in our spiritual life. And there's an old axiom, if you know, in the spiritual life, there's, you're never stagnant. You're either moving towards God or you're moving away from him. And so this, the mission is to help enkindle a fire in each and every individual's heart to give you a deep desire, not only uh, to be great saints and to really live out your life, even to be willing to lay down your life by Christ. And so why should we have a mission? Once again, for some of these reasons, but if we look around us, we could see in the world how wicked this world is. We could see the scriptures are being fulfilled before our very eyes. We can see the tragedies. We can see how men, man has drifted farther and farther away from God. The more technical we become, the more science we learn, the farther we get away from God. And man begins to think he doesn't need God. And so we could see that we read statistics today. And the, the fastest growing group today, you would say the fastest growing religion, but it's not a religion. It's basically atheism. The fastest religion is there. These people don't believe in anything. And so we need a mission. And we need a mission desperately. We see the errors of Russia have spread throughout the whole world. Our Lady of Fatima told us that if the Pope does not consecrate Russia in union with all the bishops, she said Russia will spread her errors throughout the whole world. Whole nations will be annihilated. And she said this, and we're witnessing right now before our very eyes, whole, the, the errors of Russia are everywhere. 
And what's the, the number one error you could say of Russia? And there's many of them, but it's atheism. So we need a mission to, to help fire us, uh, get us going again. Because you know, we don't only want to save our own soul, we want to bring many other people to heaven with us. And so we have to have this missionary zeal in us. Like our lady, when she conceived our Lord in her womb, she was the angels, she went to her cousin Elizabeth in haste. She's the first missionary. She wanted to save souls. We too must be like our lady. But if you don't have zeal in you, if you don't have devotion, you're not gonna do it. You won't even save your own soul. The saddest part why we need a mission today, my friends, is when we look at the church, the one holy Catholic apostolic church, which there is no salvation outside of, is in shambles. It's in shambles. When we study the scriptures, we know there's five signs that have to be fulfilled before the end. And one of them is apostasy in the church. And all the fathers and the doctors tell us that the apostasy, when it takes place, because it will take place, will be from the very top down. So what does that mean? From the Pope down. And we're witnessing this now. It should break your heart. And when the Vicar of Christ tells people that they can live in adultery and commit sins of adultery and still go to the Holy Sacraments, it's blasphemy and it's heresy. When the Vicar of Christ says that the death penalty is not Catholic, and then in the United States, the Bishop's Conference, 193 of them voted that they agreed with the Pope, Three voted against it and one abstained. That is a disgrace. That means all those bishops are in heresy themselves. We need a mission. The church is the real mission that we need to restore right now. What, what are we going to bring to people if we don't have the true faith? True Catholicism. We're in desperate need. We see this nonsense what's going on in the world and in the church, how they promote homosexuality. And they're the ones that are running the church, my friends. And that's why we're in trouble. And the only way this is gonna be turned around is if we listen to Our Lady of Fatima. She is our only hope. And this is what a mission is, to drive these things in, to get us to really open up our eyes. People wanna live in denial. People want to live, a lot of traditionalists want to live in a bubble. You're not meant to live in a bubble. You're meant to go out there like John the Baptist and be a voice in the wilderness. You're meant to preach the word of God just like I am, and it's a different, of course, but in the world, to witness to people, number one, by your actions, and then by your words. Do you defend Christ in his church? The mission will bring these things out and, and encourage you to do these things. But you can't do it on your own. You need supernatural grace. And the mission, believe me, renews soul. I've been doing missions for 21 years. And I have seen thousands and thousands of miracles. 
And usually the average parish that I've done a mission in, the daily mass attendance will go up 50, 75% increase. Because people realize you need grace. We need the sacraments. Do you desire that? In the early church, the early Catholics, they couldn't go a day without the Eucharist. And if they would be caught at the holy sacrifices of the mass, they could be put to death. But they knew they couldn't survive their times without the Eucharist. And they were willing to lay down their lives. And this is why we need a mission for the renewal of the church. That one person can change the world. That if you're serious about becoming a saint, like little Jacinta was, her feast day is today. A hundred years ago, she passed. She died. When Our Lady showed her hell, she was obsessed with doing what? Prayers and penance to save souls from going to hell. Because that's what Our Lady instructed her. And that's what Our Lady's instructing all of us to do. But how are you going to do prayer and penance for others if you're not in love with Jesus? How? If, you're not, if your heart's not on fire with the love of God, how are you going to witness about him? So I encourage you, my friends, to come to the mission. I encourage you to invite people to this mission. This place should be packed. But it shows you this is the signs of the time. Very few people want to stand at the cross with Jesus. Do you want to stand at the cross? And I, com I commend you for coming. But invite someone. Invite someone, everyone that you know. I don't care, your mother, your father, they could be away from the church 20, 30, 40 years. Every mission I do, I tell people that, and someone, at least one person, will bring someone who's been away 30, 40, 50 years, and they're converted. The mission converts souls because God sends his Holy Spirit upon us, upon his people. He promised that he will be with us for all times. He'll never turn away a humble, contrite heart. So no matter how wicked the sinners are, you bring them here. No matter who they are, invite them. Because believe me, if you help one soul get to heaven, it wipes away a multitude of your sins. And that's what the message of Fatima is about. Prayer and penance help saving souls. So why did I choose the topics on, for the mission, the four last things? Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Because in the end, those are the four most important subjects you can meditate upon. All the great saints tell us that they are the most fruitful meditations. And I know it's true. As a preacher, preached for 21 years almost. And when you hear the word of God, the true word of God, the word of God, it says in the Bible, goes out, never comes back void. Never. And so the four last things are the most important things. We're all going to experience three. And you know the one you don't want to experience. And this is why it's important to come to the mission. The four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Nothing but nothing moves a soul more than those topics. St. Anthony Mary Claret, one of the greatest saints in the church, he was a bishop for, uh, in Spain and in uh, Cuba, 
And if you ever see a picture of a bishop with a host in the center of his chest and rays emanating out of his chest, that's because in the last years of his life, our Lord would stay physically present in the Eucharist from one communion to the next. And when he walked the streets of Rome, people knew that, and they would genuflect because they knew he was carrying the body of Christ. How awesome. So one time there was this great Franciscan, or I think it was a Franciscan preacher. People traveled hours and hours all over, days, to hear this man preach. And St. Anthony Mary Claret sat in the pews, and he listened, he got up and walked out. And the man was a good priest, and he was disturbed because he knew St. Anthony was a saint. And he found him where he was, and he said, please, can I talk to you? He goes, what do you want? He goes, why did you leave? Why did you leave? He says, because your sermon was fruitless. What do you mean? You didn't mention one of the four last things. And in you preach, if you don't mention at least one of the four last things, you're wasting your time and their time. So powerful. One of my favorite saints, St. Saint Vincent Ferreira, the great Dominican, one of the greatest saints, raised more from the dead than any saint, over 400 he raised from the dead. He's known as the angel of the apocalypse. And he was a young man and he was dying. And our Lord appeared to him in his cell, St. Francis on one side, my holy father, and St. Dominic on the other, his holy father. And our Lord told him, that he was going to end the world unless St. Vincent would go preach on the four last things throughout all Europe. He said, if you do not take this mission, I'll end the world. And the friars, Dominican friars, they couldn't even look into his cell because the light coming out of the cell was blinding them. So God raised him up. He was on his deathbed. And he preached the four last things for the rest of his life throughout all of Europe. Climbed over the Alps barefoot. He would walk 200, 300 miles to the next mission. He would have 5,000 people follow him. And when they came into the church, the last mile they would get on their knees, all 5,000, and scourge themselves to blood. And then they'd tell him, ring the miracle bells. And once they got to the church, all their wounds were healed, and all the people that came to the mission were healed. He was a power. And all he did, he preached on the four last things. Great St. Alphonse de Gori, St. Louis de Montfort, St. Leonard of Port Maurice, I could go on and on. All these great saints, when they preached missions, they preached on the four last things. So there's a basic rule in spiritual theology. You can only receive what you're disposed to receive. So open up your hearts, and you will receive grace. And God wants to convict you, and he will convict you, and he wants you to change. He wants you to give yourself totally to him. No compromise. And that's why you should go see that movie, The Hidden Life. Blessed Franz would not compromise. And that's what's needed today. We need saints, martyrs, that will not compromise, that are willing to be nailed to the cross with Christ. And that's what this mission can accomplish. So be open. Invite someone. The mission, my friends, is a matter of life and death. And when I say life and death, I mean eternal life, eternal death. This may be the last mission you'll ever attend. The last one, maybe. This may be the last chance 
or the very last night that God gives you a chance to repent, confess your sins, and save your soul. And that's why we start the first talk is going to be on death. And so, my friends, death is a subject that no one likes to talk about. Most people don't even think about it until it hits home. And I was among those. Remember, when my father died, it was really <laughs> hit home. I was, young, I was only 20 years old. But most people don't think about it. That this society is constantly desensitizing each and every one of you. Watching TV, the news, we read about people dying every day. But it's just like, it doesn't affect you. There's wars never stopped. There's always some war going on. America, my country, is out perpetually at war. So we don't, we're desensitized, totally. So it doesn't affect us until it hits home. And then when it does hit home, it's very hard for many people to deal with because you can't deal with it unless you have faith. If you deal with it on a natural level, it just doesn't make sense. It, does, it doesn't make sense. Debt, my friends, was not in the original plan of God for the human race. We have an awesome God. When he created Adam and Eve, he gave them preternatural gifts. And one of the preternatural gifts is immortality, which means Adam and Eve would not have to die if they didn't commit grave sin. But the penalty of sin is death, death of our Savior on the cross, an odd death. And so, once again, it wasn't in God's plan that the human race would have to die. And Adam committed original sin, and therefore we inherit it, all of us. And therefore we must all die. And so, what does it mean to die? That's the first question. And I want to just backtrack one more thing. I want to give you a quote from the great St. Alphonse Liguori about meditation, medit why you should meditate on this subject of death. He says this, and I quote, there is nothing that restores man from sinning, excuse me, nothing that uh, restrains man from sinning so much as the thought of death. It was the thought of death that God appealed to in order that our first parents, Adam and Eve, might observe the command that he had given them. In fact, they did not break the command, nor did they sin until Satan led them to make light of the thought of, holy, of the holy fear of death. Satan said, you will not die the death. Do not be foolish, do not be silly. He said to Eve, you will not die. When the restraints were removed, she fell miserably into sin. Let us think continually on death, and then we will never sin. You hear what this great doctor is saying? Meditate on death. You will not sin. It says in the Bible, if you keep your end before you, you will not sin. And that's why the devil 
who's, even though he's a fallen angel, he has preternatural gifts. He's brilliant. He has infused knowledge. He tricked Eve. And if Eve was tricked and Adam was, fell into sin, that should make every one of you tremble and myself. Why? Because we don't have preternatural gifts. We don't have the gift of infused knowledge like Adam and Eve had. We don't have the gift of, of immortality. We don't have the gift of integrity, which means we have passions to deal with. The seven capital sins, pride, avarice, lust, sloth, gluttony, envy, and anger. Adam and Eve didn't have to deal with them like we do. That was consequences of the fall. So we have to really pay attention and we should have a fear of displeasing God and falling into sin. So to die, what does it mean to die? To die means to suffer the separation of your soul from your body. Man is a composite of body and soul. And when we die, our soul is going to separate from our body. And our body will not be reunited with our soul until the final judgment. And we'll cover that tomorrow. So that's when death takes place. And these doctors, they think they know when death takes place. And they come with all these terms today, medical, uh, you know, your brain dead, you're this, you're that. No, your, your heart can't beat unless your soul's there. You know, so they have all these things. Uh, I mean, they, they just harvest organs left and right today. They keep on playing with these. When is death, clinical death? When is, no. God tells us when death is. We don't know the exact moment. But when you die is when your soul is going to separate from your body. Death, my friends, is also separation from all earthly goods. All your finances, all your belongings, your home, your cars. You can't take it with you when you go. All your worldly interests, all your possessions, you will leave behind. You can't take it with you when you go. And that's, you know, it's sad because most people spend most of their life, all they do is accumulate material. And they, and, and they can never satisfy their thirst for material. Why? Because they're trying to fill their heart, which is made for the infinite, which is only God, with material things that are finite. So the finite is never going to satisfy your heart. But think about this. You've got to store your treasure in heaven, not on earth. A separation from everything, all your worldly interests. Debt is also a loss of all the titles on earth that you may behold, that you hold. You could be president, prime minister, you could be the pope. They all die. We all die. Okay? All your titles mean nothing at your death. Except your judgment will be much more difficult. It depends on what position you had in this world. A priest, forget about it. You better pray for us because we have some uh, horrible judgment to go Because the more given, the more demanded. Mothers, fathers, you have a tough judgment before you. So, but you lose all your titles when you die. To die is to take leave of one's mother, father, brother, sister, husband, wife, children, friends. You'll never see them again until the judgment. Never. Think about that. If you die tonight, 
you're leaving everyone behind. And when you go to the judgment, you go alone. You go alone. So now the time, my friends, to reconcile with your loved ones. Now is the time to forgive your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. How many people? I deal with this because I'm a priest. They don't even, they, they, don't, they, they just cut their own family, their blood off. Stupid arguments. Don't let that be you. You may not have another time, another day to reconcile with your mother, whoever it may be that's hurt you or you have hurt them. And I, I experienced this one I, I, a story. I, it was devastating. A young a friend of mine, him, his wife, and his wife's mother, his mother-in-law, they were coming out of church one day, beautiful day. And they're coming down the steps, and their car was right across the street. And they went to go across the street. They looked. There's none coming. A lady right there, she thought she had it in drive. It was in reverse. She backed up the car. He, uh, the wife was killed instantly. Mother-in-law went into a coma for two weeks and died. He was dragged under the car half a block, and he died. He died. And the, the gospel was that day, you, you don't know when God's going to come. Talk about death. And this man was obsessed with the end times. He was a little nuts. And, I, you know, I loved him. He was a good friend, but he was, he was crazy. He, had, he, he made a bunker in his house and it, for the end times. And he drove. He came down. He built a brand new house. He had a lot of money. And he says, show me. Come on, find my bunker. And I couldn't. So he, he hit some button. All of a sudden, his wall comes out. Big steel door, opens it up, and there was a bunker with beds, holds 10 people. He had water, pills for if it's radioactive uh, water. He had guns, he had everything. He had it all planned out. And he says, you want, I, I'll put, you could come here when the time comes. I said, I'd rather die a thousand times than be stuck in there with you. I said, I'd rather die a thousand times. But it's, the sad part is this, is that his wife, daughter at the funeral she was nobody can console her you know why because she didn't talk to her mother for three years and she never will be able to talk to her mother now and she couldn't forgive herself why was I so stubborn why couldn't I apologize to my mother there's people here right now that are doing that and I'm telling you Beg our lady to open up your heart to give you that grace to forgive because you may die tonight and you may never get to say that to your loved ones. Now's the time, my friends. So, we all know, my friends, that the sentence of death has been written against all men. You are man and therefore you must die too. I don't care who you are, you're going to die. The sentence of death has been written against all men. You, therefore, must die. When an infant's born, he doesn't know if he'll have a good life, a bad life, whether it'll be rich or poor. One thing for sure is that he will die. She will die. One day. The stroke of death will fall on all, the rich and the poor alike. When death comes, there is no earthly power able to resist it. In Psalm 89, verse 49, he says, Who is the man who lives 
and shall not see death. Who shall believe, who shall deliver his soul from the hands of death? No one. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. When God calls you, you go. There is no putting it off. You talk about the powerful, the rich. Look at what happened to the professional uh, Brian Colby, the great basketball player. Rich, powerful, one of the greatest ball players that ever lived. He had everything. He was at the prime of his life. He died with all those people on a helicopter. He, didn't, he wasn't protected because he was the greatest basketball player in the world. The one thing that I was very edified to hear is that he was a Catholic, and he went to Mass and received communion that morning. Praise God. Praise God. But death, the stroke falls upon all. Nobody can resist it when it comes, no matter how strong you are. You can't say, you know, not today, Jesus, tomorrow. Give me another hour so I could go wake Father up to confess. No. When it comes, it comes. Though, my friends, you should live as many years as you expect. A day will come, and on that day, an hour, a minute, and a very moment, which will be your last. The sentence has already been passed. What has happened to your forefathers will also happen to you. Each and every one of us has that sentence of death upon us. God knows the exact time that each and every one of us will die for eternity already. And it's not going to be changed. Are you ready? That's the question. Are you ready? Because when you die, when your soul separates from your body, there's no more time. There's no more mercy. And that's all we hear about. I'm going to talk about that. Pure judgment. Pure judgment. When Christ comes to judge us instantly when we die, he's not the meek lamb. He's coming as a judge. And the judge is the one that you and I have offended. And he will be our judge. There's no second chances. We only get to do this once, my friends. There's no such thing as reincarnation. You got to get this right. Because this, I don't care if you live to be 100, 120, you will die. And then you enter into eternity, which is forever. So we know that death is certain. But the time of our death is uncertain. We do not know when we are going to die. Once again, God has already fixed the year, the month, the day, the hour, and the moment. But the time is unknowable to us. Unknowable. To exhort us to be prepared, St. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, the day of the Lord is to come as a thief in the night. These are Lord's words. He don't, he don't fool around. A thief in the night. I always tell people, you know, I grew up in New York City, so if you, if you knew that the thief was going to come in through the kitchen window, you'd be there with your Louisville slugger, or your gun, whatever your favorite weapon is, and he ain't getting in. But the, the way the thief is successful, because he waits to catch you off guard. You don't know when he's going to strike. And the Lord's telling you that's how it's going to be. 
Jesus, our, our Lord himself, warns us. He says, but of this be assured, that is, if the householder had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would certainly have watched and not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because at an hour that you do not expect, the Son of Man is coming for your soul. At an hour you do not expect. St. Gregory the Great tells us that for our good, God conceals from us the hour of our death, that we may always be prepared to die. St. Bernard says, since death may take away life at all times and in all places, we ought, if we wish to die well and save our souls, to live always in expectation of death. We always have to have death before us. That's why St. Francis, you see him always with a skull at his feet. St. Teresa of Avila would, would keep a skull on the refectory table. She would drink out of it. So all the nuns, she wanted them to always have their death before them so that they would not offend God. And they would be ready. They would be ready. So all people know that they must die, but the misfortune... But the misfortune is that many view death at such a distance that they lose sight of it. How true it is. Everyone has their life all worked out. You know, when I'm 20, when I'm so-and-so age, I'll retire, then I'm going to get my RV, and I'm going to drive all over the country, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And like the story in the gospel with a man, he filled up seven of his silos with grain. He says, now I can rest. Our Lord said, you fool. Tonight I will call, take your soul. You should have been storing up treasure in heaven. So, how many people, my friends, how many people die suddenly? How many? We can safely say that not one of these imagined that he should die so suddenly and on that day on which he died. Few are the deaths which do not happen which do not happen unexpectedly. One of the greatest gifts you could have is to know the time of your death. That's why this nonsense that the death penalty is not Catholic. The death penalty is a very merciful act of God. If a person truly deserves it. One of the greatest saints, uh, Saint Joseph Cafaso, he's a confessor of John, uh, uh, Don Bosco. He, uh, he was... Uh, he was his spiritual director, St. Joseph of Fossil. He was known as a priest of the gallows. And he escorted over, I forgot the exact number. You could get the book from 10, Priest of the Gallows, I recommend it. And he escorted over 70, between 70 to 80 men to their death. And you know what he told those men? He says, listen, this is the greatest gift God's giving. You accept this in reparation for your sins, you will go straight to heaven because it will be a perfect act of love, surrendering your life to God. And you know what? He prayed with those men all the time. And all those men said to they, would, they wanted to go die. They wanted to go because they were afraid if they lived or got free, they would offend God again. And so the night before they would go to, the, to be hung, St. Uh, Kafaso would scourge himself to blood all night in front of the Blessed Sacrament, come and escort them, and they would die. And he would pray to them as saints because he knew they went straight to heaven. 
That's a gift to know you're going to die. But like I just said, few, few know when they're going to die. And so when I do these missions, I almost, I don't like doing missions. I'll be honest with you. You know why? Because horrible things happen every time I do a mission. And unfortunately, I was thinking, you know, I said, Lord, I got to do this mission. And, uh, you know, I always tell stories about sudden deaths. So I said, you know, maybe I got to pay attention and, and have some new stories, unfortunately. And I couldn't, I should have shut my mouth. So I get a phone call from my sister, my brother-in-law is dying two weeks ago. I said, uh, no, almost, oh, three weeks ago now. And I said, so I got in my, my truck and I drove whole, well, 11, 12 hours, you know, to help my sister, help my brother-in-law, help him get to heaven. And his heart was only working around 10%. He was in ICU. They say it doesn't look good for him. You know, so he was anointed. He was ready to go and everything. And guess what? Uh, he started getting better. In the end, they put a, a pump in his heart. It's $100,000 just for the pump. So he was supposed to die. It looked that way, but he didn't die. Now he's got this heart. He has to wear these vests with battery packs. If, you know, so he's alive. But when I was there, like uh, a few days later, I hear my sister screaming upstairs. So what the heck's going on? And she goes, uh, this girl who's very close to our family, she's like a niece to me. We grew up with her mother. And I was very close to her. Her name was Megan. So Megan got in a car, car crash accident. So where is she? We know what hospital. It took a while. They finally tell us she's in this hospital. So I'm driving my sister with me to the hospital. And we say, ah, I'm sure she's all right. We say, wishing, hoping for the best. And right before I get to the hospital, they say, she's dead. Dead. 26 years old. 26 years old. It was one of the hardest things I had to do as a priest. Because when you have to anoint someone that you love and that you know, it's a whole different ballgame. She was in a body bag when I got there. And thank God it wasn't that long. Her body was still warm, so I had to conditionally anoint her. And I hope her soul was there. I hope her soul was there. Her, bo her boyfriend who was in the car with her, he was in, uh, on life support. I got to anoint him. He was alive. He died a couple of days later. And what happened is they were driving on the Grand Central Parkway in New York. Kid was going to work. And they were going westbound. There's two lanes going westbound. And they're coming around a turn. No shoulder on either side. And two men coming the opposite direction. They were on the highway the wrong way. Head-on collision. One of the men just got out of jail for murder. The other man was a, dr a drug dealer. They died. They all died, all four. Horrible, horrible, horrible. My friends, <laughs> this could be you on the way home tonight. This could be me. It's horrible. I think about it all the time. And then, you know, I started, I just, 
it just blows my mind. I started, I look, I just did a thing. He said, uh, let me just, how many people die every year in the U.S.? The latest statistics, 2000, each day more than 90 Americans die in car accidents. Every day in America, 90 people die in car accidents. Worldwide, approximately 1.24 million people die in car crashes annually. Well, over a million people in the world die every year car crashes. A lot of times it's instant. Every 50 minutes, a person dies because of, of driving under the influence of alcohol in the United States. You hear what I just said? Every 50 minutes, someone dies because they're driving drunk. Or they kill somebody because they're drunk. Wake up, my friends. Life is precious. You don't know when it's going to be your turn. I don't know when it's going to be my turn. And if you're not in the state of sanctifying grace, you're going to go to hell. You don't get to do it again. You don't get a second chance. It's not like a football game. You hope for overtime. There is no overtime. You've got to go to the judgment. You've got to go. Scary, my friends. Here it is, I'm there because my brother-in-law's dying, he lives, and this beautiful young girl, 26 years old, she dies. And I, I didn't see her for a while, and I was at my sister's house, I just, I, I, New Year's Day, I went for Christmas for the first time in years. And as I said, we, this kid grew up with us, I mean, I know her from the day she was born, and so she came, and I, she wanted me to meet her boyfriend, and she was so, you know, happy that I got to meet him, and, and he seemed like a nice kid, but at the end of the, after dessert, I waited for dessert to be served, and it was done. I got down to business. <laughs> so I said, hey, his name was James. I said, James, you're Catholic? Oh, yeah, Father. I said, you, you, you go to church? Oh, you know, Father, once in a while. I said, that's not enough, James. I said, don't you worry, wonder about heaven, hell? And he kind of laughed a little. He wasn't mocking me or nothing. He was nervous, I guess, because he's not used to being talking to a priest, talking about hell and heaven. So did that kid know? Did she know? Did he know that in three, in, on 25, 24 days from there, they would be dead? I hope they would God. You think it stops there? No. I get a call uh, right after that. This woman I knew, her brother was in his late 50s, a pious man. He went to go visit his friend in the hospital. So he said to the friend, he's doing corporal works of mercy. Go visit the sick, you know. And he says, let's pray rosary. So he's a pious man. So he prays the rosary. They finish the rosary. And this just happened. And what, and, then, and so the guy, his, he, he looked like he fell asleep in the chair. Right, he's the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. Put his head down. So the friend, he must be tired. 15, 20 minutes went by, whatever. He, he called the, the nurse, can, he, can you see? He was dead. Dead. We just said the rosary. That could be me, I couldn't maybe got up, up off the kneeler. Could be you. Are you ready? Are you in the state of grace? You don't get to do this again. This is serious stuff. It doesn't stop, my friends. A couple of weeks ago, there was a bad storm where I live in Charlotte. An 80-year-old woman was driving a car. 
and, and, and the tree fell across the highway and he clipped the back of a car and it sent her, <clears throat> it sent her down into a ditch and she died instantly. 80 years old. You know what kind of timing it had to be for that happen, for that? And another, not even a, a, a tenth of a second, she would have, the car would have been past that with a tree. The tree landed at that exact moment on the car, dead. 80 years old. You think she thought she was going to die of a tree coming down on her head? She figured she's dying of old age. Dead. And that day, another man, the same storm, he, his car started a hydroplane, and then he went down a 25-foot embankment, dead. dead. This is serious stuff, okay? Get a call last night. I was by a friend's house, a bunch of people talking, nice night. I'm walking out the door, it was this nine-year-old uh, boy called me. I know his family well. Father, Father, I need your prayers. So I didn't know it was that. I said, oh, wait, I'll call you right back. I'm getting in my car. I called back. No, I called back. The mother picked up. She goes, Father, my father just dropped dead. 62 years old. He went, he was on, uh, his, he was doing exercise in the basement. They said he came up into the kitchen and he just dropped dead, instant heart attack. That man, from what I understand, really practiced his faith. Praise God. So once again, are you ready if God calls you home tonight? Are you ready? That's all that matters. Because it's not how you begin, but it's how you end. And if the sanctifying grace ain't there, you're going to hell. Simple as that. And we're going to talk about hell. Like Once again, the great Saint Jacinta. She was never the same after she saw hell. There's only one gate for her entrance, my friend. There's no exit. You can't, you can't, when you go to the judgment, you can't appeal it to a higher court, to a higher judge. It's sealed for eternity. So, how many poor sinners has it happened that in the act of feasting on the poison of their sin, they were struck dead and sent to hell? As fish are taken with the hooks, and as birds are caught with the snare, so men are taken in the evil time when it shall suddenly come upon them. Ecclesiastics 9. The Lord does not wish us to be lost, and therefore by the threat of chastisements, he unceasingly exhorts us to change of life. So if you were to die, and will your lot for eternity be decided before night? Would your accounts be ready? St. Alphonse says this. A tree, when it falls in a forest, falls in the direction it leans. Okay, so if the tree is bent, like we see trees bent to the right, when it falls, it's going to fall to the right. It can't fall to the left. Trees fall leaning towards the left, I used to cut trees uh, down with chainsaws. It's, when the trees learn to the left, when it falls, it's going to fall to the left. What does that mean? If you're living a good Catholic life, if you're receiving the sacraments, if you have devotion to Our Lady, and you're living the commandments, you're leaning towards the right. It's beautiful. 
But if you're not, you're leaning the wrong way. St. Alphonse says, as you live, so you will die. As you live, so you will die. How many people put off their conversion? Oh, Father, when I'm on my deathbed, I'll, you know, I'll turn around. Oh, Father, you know, I'll go out and have a good time tonight. God will forgive me. Father will be in a confessional when I'm ready for him. Oh, really? It doesn't work that way, my friends. So how much would you give to obtain from God another year, another month, or even another day if you knew that tonight's the night? Wouldn't you beg God, let me, give me some time to do penance. Give me time to really you know, confess all my sins. You know how many people were told sins in the confessional? And some of those people go to communion every day. I deal with it all the time in the missions, and that's what I'm here for, to flush out those sinners. And God, and I don't look down on you. I want to help you, get you out of the mud, get you in grace. Many people, I know there's people here right now, maybe we're told in a sin 40, 50, 60 years. got to confess it because this may be your last chance I was in Ireland preaching for the Fatima Center on the four last things and the conference was done and I'm all alone in the room, it's another hour and a half people come up, they want to talk to advice and this and that, so the doors closed I was relieved because I was on the road for two weeks and the door knocks can I come in? I said yes and they said how do you know father, how do you know I said what are you talking about you, you talked about someone who didn't confess a sin for 60 years. And then you said someone here is guilty of that. And they said to me, I'm that person. I'm that person. I, I, I want to come clean with the Lord. I said, praise God. There's more joy in heaven over one repentant sinner than over all the just. And that's what God's about. So take this serious tonight. Don't leave here if you're not straight with the Lord. You may not have another chance. So why then do you not now that God gives you the time, settle the accounts of your conscience? Perhaps this shall be the last day for you. The Lord does not tell us to prepare ourselves, but to be prepared when death arrives. St. Augustine says... God conceals from us the last day of our life that we may be always prepared to die. St. Paul tells us that we must work out our salvation, not only with fear, but also trembling. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. If death comes and finds us in the grace of God, we have secured all. But if found in sin, we will lose all. Serious. You only got we'll lose everything if you die in mortal sin. Don't listen. This is one of the things I I wanted to say too about this four last things. It's loaded with doctrine. It's like a crash course in Catholicism. And there's many heresies today in our time with false prophets. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, the mystics, so-called mystics, and, they, and uh, one of the things is they say, well, when you die, you go before God, you get to choose, you want to go to heaven or hell. I 
It's heresy. It's nonsense. There's a judgment. There's no more choosing when you die. No more choosing. Justice will be served. There's no justice in this world. We know that. But it all begins at your death. The, the scales will, will, will be even. God will give you justice. So we look at the mercy of God. How great is the mercy of God in waiting for our repentance? When you offend God, he could have struck you dead. But God waits for the sinners that they may amend and that he may pardon and save them. God's in the business of forgiving. He loves to show his mercy. But he has mercy only on those who fear him, it says in the Magnificat. So God wants us to repent, okay? God cannot turn away his face, <clears throat> cannot turn his face away from those who return and cast himself at his feet, like the, the uh, prodigal son. The prodigal son was away, he lived a, a horrible life. But we know God, the, his father represents God the Father. He represents us wicked sinners. And his father waited patiently for him every day. He knew he wanted his son to return. And when his father saw his son, he didn't stand there and, and sit there like a proud man. He ran, he got up and he ran. He picked up his cloak so that he could run faster. And he embraced his son, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Those are all symbols in the spiritual life. And rejoiced because his son who was dead, who was alive. And that's how God the Father is. He gives all of us the graces we need the church teaches this. We all receive the graces we need to save our souls. So if you lose your soul, it's only your own fault. All the graces are there. Don't let the devil tell you that different. Don't let the tell, devil tell you you can't be forgiven for your sins. Those are all lies from hell. All lies from hell. Our Lord says, For I desire not the death of him that dieth, Said it, the Lord God, return you and live. God knows not how to despise a humble and contrite heart. The Lord glories in showing mercy and granting pardon to sinners. And this is, but my friends, we hear about mercy, mercy, mercy all the time. Especially in this, this church, the Catholic church today, they don't talk about God's justice. But you can't separate his justice from his mercy. And that's what they do. You can't, you know, we're going to see about the abuse of divine mercy. And you see it abused constantly. St. Augustine says the following, that the devil deludes men in two ways, one by despair and the other by hope. After the sinner has offended God, the enemy, by placing before his eyes the terror of divine justice, tempts him to despair. <clears throat> but before he sins, the devil encourages him to sin with the hope of divine mercy. My friend, I'm telling you as a priest, this is so true. This is, I deal with this with sinners all the time. They, you know, the devil will tell you, don't worry about it, don't worry, you, you could confess, don't worry, God will forgive you, he's all merciful. I have a friend of mine, I know, uh, her father's been a drunk his whole life. I tried to help the guy, got him in rehab once, a good place, and then unfortunately he's drunk again. And, and her mother, who's supposed to be a good Catholic, 
She says, oh, God won't send him to hell. Oh, really? It says right there in the Bible, no drunkard will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, no, God's a loving God. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he is. But he won't be mocked. Okay, he won't be mocked. So, once again, before you sin, the devil's going to tell you, go ahead, go for it, it'll be all right. You got time, you're a young man. Don't worry about it, sow your oats. But then once you do it, despair comes. And let me tell you something, it's scary. You talk to any priest that has to deal with a soul that's in despair, it makes my hair stand up. It's beautiful to see God's mercy in action, but when you see a hardened sinner that the devil's on, and they go right to their debt sometimes and say, it's impossible, nobody, God can't forgive me, nobody can forgive me. The devil rides them. Because the devil will come at your death more at the moment of your death than throughout your whole life, and he comes with all his cohorts. Because if he could snag you in that one moment, he owns you for eternity. And if you have all these sins, it's, the devil's going to throw them in your face, and that's what he does. You cannot be forgiven. So St. Augustine gives us the following advice. After sin, hope for mercy. But before you sin, fear justice. He who abuses God's mercy to offend him is undeserving of mercy. God shows mercy only to those who fear him. So when you, you know, so many people, they do this. And people that come to church all the time, the young men, forget about it. With the pornography out there, and, and it's, it's, they have such access to it, it's disgusting. They're in bondage, and they get, they know Father will be in here, I'll confess. And the, the confessional becomes a revolving door. It's disgusting. You're abusing God's mercy. You said, oh, I'm going to keep doing this because you're going to keep forgiving me. Really? I don't think so. I don't think so. If you're sorry, I tell people uh, with this, we, we call them recidivist sinners. So, so say, you know, I, uh, I'll use an example, simple one. Say you have a son, he's say 15, 17 years old, and you walk by him and he kicks you as hard as he could and he knocks you down. And he looks, oh, Dad, I'm sorry. He said, all right, I forgive you. I don't think I would. I'd probably crack him in the head. But, uh, and then the kid says and kicks his father again. Oh, Dad, I'm sorry. I forgive you. And he keeps kicking his father. Is the kid sorry? Answer me. No. Because you have to have, when you to confess your sins, you have to have true sorrow. You have to have amendment of life. Amendment of life. Amendment of life. So the confessional, the revolving door is no good. And unfortunately, priests haven't been trained right in the confessional. That's why they got to follow St. Alphonse Liguori. When you got a recidivist sinner to keep on committing the same sin over and over again, after the third time, you don't absolve them. You delay the absolution and you uproot the vice. You have to re- remove the occasion of sin. They have to go home and get rid of the porn. They have to draw out their computer if they have to. Whatever the occasion is, 
Not even a pope can absolve someone in approximate voluntary occasion of sin. So don't abuse God's mercy. Don't. Once again, he abuses God's mercy to offend him is undeserving of his mercy. The mercy of God is infinite, but the acts of his mercy are finite. Do you hear? This is one of the most important things. The mercy of God is infinite, but the acts of his mercy are finite. So let me explain that. Say you had a wicked sinner like Adolf Hitler, who killed millions of people. Say he repented and he went to a priest, truly sorry, reformed his life, confessed or forgiven. He'd be truly, you know, infinite mercy. Doesn't matter how many sins, if everything is in order. But his acts of mercy are fine, which means what? He'll only give you so many chances. He'll only give you so many chances. That, that, that story of Dr. Nathanson, he was a, a doctor in the United States. He murdered, he said, 75,000 babies himself. 75,000. He murdered his own son in his wife's womb. He converted. He was an atheist or some, or Jew, I forgot. And he converted. He came into the Catholic Church, was baptized. And when you're baptized, all your sins are cleansed, everything. And all the temporal punishment is done away. There is none, because he wasn't baptized till he was an uh, adult. That's infinite mercy. But maybe if he didn't, pick, if he didn't uh, do it that day, maybe, you know, if he didn't correspond with God's grace, his acts of mercy are finite. So don't play with God. Don't presume that he's going to keep on letting you offend him and keep on crucifying his son. And you look at Jesus, you tell him you love him, but you still nail him to the cross. You don't love him then. You don't. So... God bears with us, but he does not put up with us forever. Were God to put up with us forever, no one would be damned. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, we know that our Lord says the road to, to perdition is wide and easy. Many, many, many go that way. But the road to eternal life is narrow. Few, few go that way. You know, I love to give a conference on the number of those saved, people who can't even handle it. It's scary. It scares me. Every time I have to preach this, what I'm preaching now, it scares me no matter how many times I preach it. I don't care if you heard the four last things a thousand times. You didn't hear it enough. I had 10,000 times. You still didn't hear it enough. 10,000 times. So St. Paul, you know, so the road, the doctors, the flood, St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, tells us that the majority of adult baptized Catholics go to hell. Go to hell. St. Leonard Paul Maurice, go online, you can read his sermon on the number of those damned. It is scary. Look at the world around us. Do you really think the majority of people... Uh, right now on their way to heaven, like St. Alphonse says, as you live, so you die. Which direction you lead in, uh, the trees lean to the right, falls to the right. Look around us. And I'm not telling us to be judgmental, but we're, we got problems. 
So St. Paul tells us, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For what a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows in the flesh, from the flesh also will reap corruption. But he who sows in the spirit, from the spirit will reap life everlasting. Life everlasting. So, my friends, the question that I like to put before us now is, what do you do with your time? Because time is precious. St. Bernard of Siena, the great Franciscan preacher, said this, a moment of time is as much value as God himself, because in each moment a man can, by acts of contrition or of love, acquire the grace of God and eternal glory. That is powerful. I'm going to say it again. A moment of time is as much value as God, because in each moment a man can, by acts of contrition or of love, acquire the grace of God and eternal glory. Time is a treasure which is found only in this life. It's not found in the next, either in hell or in heaven. How do you spend your time, my friends? Why do you always defer till tomorrow what you can do today? Remember that the, the time which is past is no longer yours. The future is not under your control. You have only the present for the performance of good works. How many of you are wasting time? If you're honest with yourself, we all waste time. How many people are spending hours watching Fox News and all this other nonsense that just puts you into despair when you could be on your knees praying, doing acts of corporal, spiritual acts of works of mercy, reading the great saints, preparing yourself for heaven? You know, what do you do with your time? Oh, I'm going to start uh, the spiritual life. I'm going to get really go all out this Lent. I hope so. I hope so. Question yourself. Really examine your conscience. I, get, I guarantee you, everyone here, if they do, you're going to realize you're wasting precious time. Because now's the time to store up our treasure in heaven. Because when you're in sanctifying grace, everything you do, you receive merit. Everything you do. And you pray rosary. I mean, the graces that are involved in that, it just gives you a higher place in heaven every time you do these spiritual works. The problem is most people have no desire for heaven. They don't even think about it. That's why the best talk is the last talk on heaven. Do you meditate on heaven? Do you meditate on death? St. Bernard says, Why, O oh miserable man, do you presume on the future as if the Father has placed time in your power? You don't have that. It's not up to you. It's up to God. Don't presume that you even have 10 minutes left, 5 minutes left. You don't know. You don't know. St. Teresa says, if you are not prepared for death today, tremble lest you die an unhappy death. An unhappy death. Look at this. Miserable indeed is he who defers his repentance till death. St. Jerome says that out of 100,000 sinners who continue in sin till death, scarcely one merits indulgence from God in death. 
You hear that? St. Jerome. Out of 100,000 sinners who continue in their sin to death, scarcely one merits indulgence from God. St. Vincent Ferreira says that it would be a greater miracle if habitual evil sinners had a good end than to raise the dead to life. Don't put off your conversion, my friends. Don't. I want to tell you uh, one last story, and I always tell this story because I find it, it's really powerful. And it's a true story about this professional diver. And he was living a wicked life, he said. So one night he wanted to go into this complex and he wanted to wait till nobody was there. He just wanted to go by himself. So he walked in and he put the light on. And there were skylights above, but it was a cloudy night. So everything was dark. So he climbed up this big board, maybe 60 feet high. It was really high. And he said he put his his arms out, he's on the edge of the diving board with his back towards the pool, and he's going to do this big back flip. And all of a sudden, the clouds parted, and his hands was like this, and in front of him on the wall was an image of a, of a cross, his, him, his arms out. And he said God granted him such extraordinary grace that he was driven down to his knees, and he begged God for forgiveness. He realized, God gave him tremendous grace that he realized the evil life that he was living. And he begged God to forgive him and have mercy on him. And he promised him he would go to confession and change his life. Now you may be able to deceive me, because I'm no Padre Pio, but you can't deceive God. And so he said he wept for a while. And he got up. He said, okay, I'm going to make my dive. He put his hands out, and all of a sudden, he's ready to, he raised his leg, and all of a sudden, he clicks. A janitor came in and put the light on, and he realized something they didn't realize before. There was no water in the pool. They were doing maintenance. That's my friend. So what would have happened? Once again, if today you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your heart. And there's someone here who's on your own, people here on their own diving board right now. And this may be the last time God's telling you, confess, come home. I'm not going to give you another chance. Because if that man would have blew that off, like he blew God off a million times before, he would have made that dive, he would have cracked his head, and he would have went straight to hell. God doesn't want you in hell. He created you to be with him for eternity. So if anybody's here, please. The last thing I want to say before I end is that it's very, very important to pray three Hail Marys to the Blessed Virgin every day for the following things. Number one, that you receive the efficacious grace. And I pray this every day for me, my family, loved ones. I pray for my enemies too. There's many. But I pray this. And that girl, Megan, who died, I've been praying this for 21 years for her at the Mass. Lord, number one, efficacious grace. And she was included in those prayers that we all receive the grace of final perseverance, that we receive the last rites, holy viaticum, apostolic blessing, that we even can get the grace to make a a general confession before we die. And at the moment of death, the perfect act of love. Pray that. Our lady is so powerful. Her son doesn't say no to her. And people who pray that get that. 
Megan got <laughs> two of them. And I hope, like I said, her soul was there. I hope it was. I'm praying. But I found it kind of, I wasn't supposed to be up there. And I'm the one that anointed her. It was, it was a horrible scene. But I'm hoping that, that the conditional anointing was valid. You too got to pray for those things. Wear the brown scapula too, that we die with the brown scapula on. Our lady tells us, and she came in Fatima with the scapula too, a Carmel, Lady Mount Carmel. Those that die with the scapula on will not perish. Don't let these people come and they put all these crazy conditions on that. A lady means what she says. Now, that doesn't mean if someone's going to wear it and mock our Lord, our lady, and say, you know, I'm going to wear my scapula and commit these wicked sins because our lady's, I'm not going to go to hell. You know what? If you do that, you're not going to die with the scapula on somehow. And we know true stories about this. There were six or seven men that were going to be executed. And I think the priest came. He tried to get them to put the scapula. Six of them took him. One man didn't want to take it. And this is a true story. And what happened? He finally put it on, but they kind of, he really didn't want it. And so when they went to the firing squad, they shot them. They all died. They all, six had the scapula on. That man, somehow the scapula wasn't on. It was on the floor. He didn't want it. Another man wanted to commit suicide. Another true story. And he tried to drown himself. Two times, he couldn't drown. He kept floating up. He goes, how come I can't do this? He goes, oh, my scapula ripped it off. Third time, successful. Scapula is powerful. Let me tell you something. The devil hates it with a passion. I mean, I don't go, I never take my scapula off. When I take a shower, I got a, a couple of cheap ones. I hang up, I switch. I ain't getting caught without that on. No way. And my heart is to be with Our Lady and Our Lord for eternity. She will grant us those graces. Our Lord says in the scripture, I will give you your heart's desire. I will give you your heart's desire. So wear the brown scapula. Pray those three Hail Marys. You want this because believe me, less rites can mean, definitely mean the difference of heaven or hell. I've gone to the deathbed, and you talk to priests that goes to people's deathbed, and sometimes even people that are very pious, the devil will come. People will be screaming sometimes. Just doesn't, and the minute you come in there, you, you, you start the blessing, you, the devil flees. Peace comes upon the soul. It, it gives you the graces you need to make that final crossing from this earth to the next. All the fear leaves. Peace comes upon them. You want the sacraments. And this is a tragedy, what's happening in the church. Churches are closing, less and less priests. It's hard to find priests that are, are, are serious about their vocation, that want to go. I, I can't even believe people can't even get someone to anoint them. I have driven three or four hours to anoint people because nobody would go do it. So you got to pray for that. You want those you want that last Holy Communion. And you want also the apostolic blessing that wipes away all temporal punishment. So my friends, let us pray too. Like I said, we have to pray for our loved ones. We have to beg, listen to Our Lady. 
that most souls go to hell, she tells us at Fatima, because no one will pray or do penance for them. No one will pray or do penance for them. Are you willing to do prayer and penance for your loved ones? Are you willing? Those few people, like St. Jerome said, out of 100,000 that's living a wicked life, habitual sinner, maybe one will make it. And you know why that one will make it? Because they have some mother or friend or somebody wearing their knees out, praying a rosary day in and day out. Our Lady Fatima tells us, if you pray the rosary, it will end wars, famines. Pray the rosary that you die a holy death. Pray that your children, your husband, your family, your enemies will die a holy death. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. We give you thanks, O oh my God, for all your blessings, for your living reign forever. The Lady of Fatima, Saint Jacinta. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.